Hello everyone, my name is Susan Black. I'm a partner in Herbert Smith Freehills competition team here in London. I'm also co-head of the firm's global consumer sector. We're going to talk today about the new Digital Markets Competition and Consumers Bill. And I'm here with Christine Gerix, who's going to talk to us about that. Hi, my name is Christine Gerix, and I'm the professional support consultant for the firm's global competition team. In today's podcast, we put the spotlight on the UK's consumer protection reform measures in the DMCC Bill, which is currently going through the parliamentary process and is expected to take effect during the course of 2024. The bill introduces the new digital markets regime and makes a number of changes to the competition and mergers regimes, but it will also result in an overhaul of the UK's consumer protection regime, and that's what we're going to focus on today. In fact, the largest part of the bill deals with consumer protection. The provisions are divided into two parts. Part three deals with proposed changes to the enforcement regime, and part four with the consumer rights, so the substance of the law. So a little bit by way of background, the government identified consumer law enforcement as a key weakness in the consumer protection regime. It's slow and there's little deterrent for those who breach consumer protection laws. Currently, where the CMA concludes that consumer law has been breached, it has no powers to order for the illegal practices to stop, but it must go through the courts. Even then, if an order is made, no fines are available. The CMA can accept undertakings from a trader as an alternative to taking it to court. But again, it can't fine the businesses if it doesn't comply with the undertaking. In addition, the government believes that consumer law is failing to keep pace with market developments. It's identified subscription traps and, and fake reviews as practices that particularly need addressing. And unregulated consumer savings schemes such as Christmas saving clubs, are also of concern. So, starting with consumer law enforcement, Christine, can you take us through the key changes that are being made by the bill? Sure. So, so when enacted, the bill will create two separate enforcement regimes for the civil enforcement of consumer protection law. First of all, there will be a direct enforcement regime administered by the CMA, for infringement of certain consumer protection laws. And uh, the relevant legislation here is what we call the core consumer protection legislation, such as the consumer protection from unfair trading regulations, the CPRs, certain provisions from the Consumer Rights Act 2015, and also the new offences created under the bill. And uh, the full list of that relevant legislation here is set out in Schedule 14 of the bill. And then there will also be a court-based regime that simplifies and improves the current regime, the current court-based regime. And importantly, this will also include powers for the courts to impose penalties on traders who breach consumer laws or who do not comply with an undertaking they've agreed with the CMA in order to terminate a breach. And this enforcement route will apply to legislation that's all set out in Schedule 13 of the bill. And this is legislation uh, that's typically enforced by trading standards, so, so legislation that's relevant more at, at local level. So, Christine, what will that direct enforcement regime look like? Uh, and will it be similar to the CMA's competition enforcement team? Yes, in fact, it will be very similar. Um, the CMA's powers of investigation will actually mirror those it has for competition enforcement. 
So what that means is that if the CMA issues a request for information as part of its information gathering process, it will be able to enforce compliance with such a notice and impose penalties where businesses fail to comply, whereas under the current regime, the CMA needs to enforce these through the courts. And also, it does not have the power to impose penalties on those who fail to comply with an information notice. The CMA will also be able to carry out on raids, under which it will be able to obtain documents from businesses that are located on the premises, but also those documents that are accessible from their premises. And that's in order to allow the CMA to have access to documents that are stored remotely in electronic form. And Christine, what about penalties? Because under the direct enforcement regime, the CMA will also be able to impose penalties on infringing undertakings. Yes, so as we saw, the CMA will be able to impose penalties for failure to comply with information requests, including also providing false or misleading information, also for breaches of undertakings imposed by the CMA. But the headline here really is that the CMA will be able to impose fines of up to 10% of annual global turnover on companies who are in breach of consumer protection legislation. This means that we're likely to see levels of fines in the millions, possibly even billions for very large companies. It's also worth flagging that, that the enforcers under the court enforcement route will also be able to apply to the courts to impose these penalties. So they're not limited to the CMA's direct enforcement route only. Okay, that's very clear. And obviously we have some very, very big changes here. So thank you for that. Just moving on, the bill also deals with enhanced consumer rights where the aims to improve and modernize consumer rights. So ensuring they keep pace with market developments, in particular, the trend which we've seen a lot of towards online retail and advertising. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure, yes. So part four of the bill includes a number of changes that are made to the existing consumer protection legislation. So rather than to the enforcement regime and starting with the general piece of consumer protection legislation, the consumer protection from unfair trading regulations, the so-called CPRs, these are actually revoked under the bill and the unfair commercial practices that are listed in the regulations are instead included now in the text of the bill itself with some amendments updating them to meet UK needs. And that's because they are retained EU laws as originally they implemented EU consumer protection directives, but changes have now been made to adapt them to UK needs and UK policies. So this legislation imposes a general prohibition on traders in all sectors from engaging in unfair commercial practices. And that includes conduct such as making false or misleading messages or leaving out important information, also aggressive sales practices, practices that use harassment, coercion or undue influence. And the legal test here really is that a commercial practice is unfair if it's likely to cause the average consumer to make a transactional decision that it would otherwise not have taken. This is the so-called transactional decision test. The uh, regulations also contain a list of around 30 per se unfair practices, which will always be unfair. So here there's no need to apply that transactional decision test. And these are also taken over in the bill and they now sit under Schedule 18 of the bill and include conduct such as making false free offers, faking credentials or pretending that offers are limited when they're actually not limited at all. 
But the main change here made by the new legislation will be the introduction of a new power for the Secretary of State to add to this list of per se unfair practices through secondary legislation. And the government plans to use this new power to deal with so-called fake reviews, and it will be consulting on the detail of commercial practices around fake reviews during the passage of the bill. Greenwashing, I'll just say a few words about that. This has also at least not yet been included in this list of per se unfair practices. The CMA's Green Claims Code is currently enforced under the general prohibition on unfair commercial practices, which requires the CMA to apply that transactional decision test. But it is expected that in the longer term, greenwashing will also be added to that list of per se unfair practices under the Secretary of State's new powers. So, you know, the question of per se banned practices is going to be very, very important, a concept of fake reviews. And I guess greenwashing, as we know, is already very much a hot topic. So there's a lot to watch watch out for going forwards. But I think, I mean, as we said at the outset, one of the other big changes relates to subscription contracts. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, so this is indeed where we are seeing the biggest changes. And that's because um, research by government suggests that consumers spend around 1.6 billion a year on subscriptions they do not want. And that's because of unclear terms and conditions and because of complex cancellation policies. And the bill therefore introduces a new set of requirements which are specific to subscription contracts and will provide greater protection for consumers who who enter in these types of contracts. Under the bill, um, the subscription contracts are defined as business-to-consumer contracts for the supply of goods, services or digital content, which auto-renew with the consumer automatically incurring liability unless the consumer takes action to terminate the contract or contracts which contain a free trial or a reduced price period, after which then the contract continues with the consumer liable to make payments or payments at the higher rate than the original rate, unless again they take action to terminate it. Now, some contracts are excluded from this definition on the basis that they're already subject to equivalent or higher rules. For example, contracts for the supply of services regulated by Ofcom are excluded. Other examples include gas and electricity contracts, also package holidays. And here the full list of excluded contracts is set out in Schedule 19 of the bill. The bill will then impose the following new obligations on businesses that operate subscription contracts. So first of all, prescribed pre-contact information must be prominently and clearly presented to consumers before they enter into the contract. And that includes information about price, about automatic renewals, about cancellation methods and other rights. Businesses will also have to send reminder notices, and that's to alert consumers that uh, either a free or discounted trial is coming to an end or that a contract is due to renew. And the content, as well as the timing for these notices, is actually prescribed in the legislation. So by way of example, these notices must be sent between three to five working days before the last cancellation date. And then if the consumer wants to end the contract, arrangements must be in place for the consumer to do so in a single communication without having to take any unreasonable steps. And then in addition, an an initial cooling off period must be available at the start of the subscription or the free trial for a 14-day period. 
and a further renewal cooling off period after the free or discounted trial ends or for auto renewal if the renewal term is for a year or more. So these are quite onerous obligations on businesses, but of course they do provide much greater protection for consumers for this type of contract. Thanks, Christine. We've covered a lot of ground here with some new concepts, some new um, new powers, and there's obviously much to come. I mean, just practically under the regime, we can expect to see greater focus generally by the CMA on consumer protection and increased enforcement. So businesses will therefore need to be considering whether their existing compliance policies need to be updated and whether they should put in place further training for the relevant business sections. Some of the reforms may require proactive steps not previously taken to be taken by companies, such as sending reminder notices for subscription contracts, and it will be necessary to integrate these requirements into business processes. It's also worth noting that these new and strengthened consumer protection laws will apply to non-UK companies who have a place of business in the UK and carry on business in the UK or where the conduct at issue arises in the context of activities directed to consumers in the UK. And then I guess just one point on timing, the reforms set out in the bill will not, not apply retroactively, but will apply to breaches that occur on or after commencement of the bill. So we'll draw a line there. As I say, we've covered a lot of ground. We hope it's been of interest to you. We will be following up with a variety of further seminars, podcasts and training materials. And we'd very much invite you to join those in due course. Many thanks.